0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I'm so happy you're here with us. If you're just joining for the first time, I am a special needs mom, a special needs attorney, and a best selling author. So please grab your coffee. And if you're like me, you might be listening in your car. I spent a lot of time in the car in my day. And please join us for some important discussions to help you thrive in this complex special needs world. Each week, we're going to chat with parents and experts, and sometimes parents who are experts, to offer compassionate advice for all stages of your life. These are the conversations you would have with your best friend if your best friend was an expert like me. Let's go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So it's been a very interesting week, like always, and the weather is finally getting warm here in the Northeast. I hope that you're having pleasant weather too. It's rainy season because, well, April beginning May you know that's what we look forward to it also means that we have the most pleasant greenery and the flowers are popping so that's been great it's been the rollout of the vaccine finally to everybody Um, it's been a little challenging in Massachusetts but I think we finally get the hang of it and people are um, able to get the vaccine no matter what category you're in. So that's been fun. I had my first round, and uh, I had kind of an adverse reaction. So I felt pretty crappy after my first vaccine. Heading out for my second one shortly, and I'm not looking forward to it because I know I'm not going to feel too great after that one as well. Um, so I did a um, had an interesting interview with Tanisha Dial and. She um, really, uh, so she's great, and I really loved talking with her, but uh, it was a little challenging getting started with this interview. Uh, We had a couple of hiccups. First, I tried to schedule the interview, and then I got sick, so uh, we had to hold off for a little bit uh, until I was able to schedule it at a time when I was feeling better, so she was So generous with her time. And second, just trying to schedule an interview with somebody who is in Ireland with the time difference is challenging. Then um, she had a little difficulty with her internet. So there's always that, right? You know, one of the things about trying to do interviews over Zoom or over any kind of electronic medium. I'm terrified all the time that something's going to go wrong. But you know what? That's just the way the world is these days. So we struggled with that. Another thing that was uh, functionally just um, giving me a little bit of uh, heartburn was that I was struggling to find the closed captioning because Tanisha is deaf. And You know, Zoom does not make it easy. It should be easy and straightforward being able to get the accessibility tools, but no, of course not. So we went back and forth on that for a while. Thank you to my marketing assistant, Dulcie, who is amazing. Thank you, Dulcie, who you behind the scenes, but are just the best best, the bomb. Let me tell you, she does not get enough credit for everything she does for me. And this podcast would be nothing without her. So Dulcie helped me figure out what was going on with the closed captioning. Turns out that only the person who it's your, it's your subscription. So if you are the host and it's your subscription to Zoom, you have access to the closed captioning and you can turn it on and off. But you then have to turn it on for everybody, which means that if you're running a meeting, say, for 25 participants, every person on the team, on the meeting, has to announce that you need it in order for the host to turn it on. So kind of defeats the purpose of turning on, of having the tools there, because you basically have to out yourself as needing the, the tools, the accessibility tools. So shame on you, Zoom, get your act together. This is not, you know, 1990 or whatever. Anyway, um, that was very annoying. Uh, we figured it out. Also, I don't always set up the meetings, Dulcie does, so I have to then take over as the host. And I couldn't figure that out for a little while, so I ended up taking over as host, and then the closed captioning tool showed up. So, okay, lo and behold, three meetings later, We finally figured it out. And um, with a little bit of back and forth, back and forth with Tanisha, because of her um, difficulty with having um, some, uh, some difficulty with her, um, with her internet connectivity, we finally finished our interview. So hallelujah, we got it done. Um, And it was a wonderful interview. So I enjoyed talking to her about her experience, which was so different than mine, obviously, um, raising my daughter, Tanisha, who speaks so lovely about her family growing up in India and what it was like for her advocating for herself, for her parents, advocating for her in India and being the only deaf student and the only deaf person that she met for what seemed like forever. And you know it was it was um, really eye-opening and we talked about, you know, how she felt by that she felt rejected by the hearing community and by the deaf community and we talked about disability first language. we talked about um, what a strong advocate she had to be when she went to university. We talked a lot about traveling as a person with disabilities. How amazingly brave she is, because she's been traveling around by herself for a long time. Uh, she really is just getting out there, and um, wow, so impressive. So, I I really really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope that you do too. Um, I gotta tell you. Young people are just our brightest future of possibilities. They are bringing such change and such energy to disability advocacy and awareness. And um, I'm thrilled. I I can't uh, even begin to express the energy that I felt after I finished our interview and how rejuvenated I feel for getting back to my advocacy roots. So Tanisha, I wish you were in the US because let me tell you, I would love to have you network and connect with some of the organizations here. You have such great ideas and I'm very excited to get to know you more. So thank you so much for coming on the show and I hope that you all enjoy this interview as much as I did. So here we go. Welcome back podcast fans. I'm your host Annette Hines and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So if you've noticed today that I'm speaking a little slower than my normal Italian self, it's because I am actually using closed captioning. That is because my guest today is Deaf, Tanisha Dial And I'm so happy to have her with
1: us. Hello, Tanisha. Thank you, Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you inviting me over and I look forward to having a wonderful conversation with you. Tanisha is joining us from Ireland. So we
0: had the worst luck trying to schedule this <laughs> podcast uh, between um, me being sick, which I mentioned in my last podcast, and we had to reschedule. And then the last time we were supposed to get on the podcast, my computer crashed. So with everything going on with our um, all of the uh, great things about technology, Some things about technology are not so great, and it has not been fun trying to get Tanisha onto the podcast, but she has been the most patient guest, and I am incredibly grateful that she has hung in there with me and is willing to be with us today. Again, we're actually recording this on the
1: weekend, so thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. You're most welcome because uh, I do know how this pandemic has affected all of us and the fact that, you know, our life suddenly went online, remote working. So definitely the technology has been a bit of an issue to handle because it's new for all of us. So I understand where you come from. Well, actually, I mean, with gratitude, too, for
0: technology, because otherwise, we would not be interviewing somebody in Ireland. So it has opened up the world, really, to be able to have these conversations with people all over the world. I've had interviews with people in England and um, in Australia and just everywhere. So it's been been wonderful in that sense. I don't have to be sitting across from somebody and I don't have to fly all over the place to do it. So that's been great. Um, But otherwise, sometimes things can go wrong. So Tanisha, you mentioned to me that you've been fighting for respect since your childhood and that it's been three times harder because you were born a girl and with a disability. Tell me what you meant by that.
1: Uh, So I would love to share that as well. So coming from India with, uh, you know, strong cultural values and a strong history of culture over there, the gender stereotypes is quite different. And when I was younger, you know, you can say about 20 years before, uh, definitely things were way much different as compared to now. The only thing what I would share is that uh, there is a bit of stigma, you know, uh, having a disability. And uh, for me, being a woman, as well as having a hearing issue, that made it harder for me to navigate the school life because I was the only deaf girl in my class and in the school, basically. So that kind of made it hard for everyone to probably adjust or come into terms with who I was as a person because my hearing aids were visible Um, but thankfully I had a few teachers support you know who took extra time out at the end of the school day to make sure that I was able to keep up with the class and things like that because in a class of 40 students it gets overwhelming so it definitely became more difficult for me to deal with the noises deal with the extra lip reading thing that is going on with the students talking behind, teacher talking behind, teacher facing herself towards the blackboard while speaking and I would become clueless because her face is hidden. Now how do I understand her? These kind of little things were uh, something that made it even harder for me to understand how I would keep up with the class pace because, you know, in a class of 40 students, you're expected to do it all by yourself, fight for your place in the class. And that kind of made it skeptical for me because I started questioning myself whether I was capable enough. And uh, I'm very grateful to my parents for fighting for my right to study in the same school because there were actually no schools around to uh, treat the students or teach the students with uh, disabilities. And I was put in a so-called non-disabled school. And, um, you know, dealing with that for years, right from the start when I was a young girl, not able to understand how to make friends, how to approach people. I was always the you know, quiet, shy girl sitting in one corner of the class, forced bench with the newspaper or a notebook, just trying to keep keep it to herself because it was difficult for me to have conversations with people. And that kind of introversion has come into me where even today I'm not able to approach people as easily as others would do who are non-disabled. Um, Maybe it is my own personal experience I'm talking about. I'm not talking for any deaf community or any other deaf individual because they probably had different sets of experiences where, you know, the sign language interpreter was given to them or they had a access to speech therapists. My mom taught me how to speak. So there was no option of accessing any kind of these facilities that other deaf people must have you know, veil. So for me, it was something like a battle I had to fight on my own when I left my house.
0: I love that because I can actually visualize with this story, that I can, you're painting a picture for me and I can see little Tanisha sitting in that classroom with all of that sound going on around her that you can't hear and so much commotion and that one or two teachers who kind of got it, you know, but a whole bunch of other adults who just don't care and don't understand why you're there, you know, why these parents send her here, but, but your parents must have had some strength and some real commitment to figuring this out and not really knowing what to do because when you as speaking as a parent and this disabled child just is born to you you don't know what to do you just kind of figure it out as you go along and you as you say make your own path and it's not the same path that everybody else chooses it's your path so you as a parent you're on a path you pray that it's the right path that you pick for your child. And then your child at some certain age starts to have their own strength and they start picking the path for themselves as well. That was a just um, just a very colorful, amazing story. I could see it, you know. Thank you for sharing that with us. It was, yeah, it was amazing. So, you know, we talked a little bit about how fractured the deaf community is sometimes and how sometimes you feel like you don't belong to either one. Can you talk about that a little bit? And I know that that's changing now and it's not as, it's not as challenging as it used to be, but share for those of us who aren't in the deaf community mm-hmm. what, that, what that means and what that's like.
1: Uh, thank you for this question. This is interesting because again, as in my own experiences, um, I was rejected from both the hearing community as well as the deaf community because the deaf individual that I interacted with at the later stage of my life when I was in my teenage years, I happened to come across a young bunch of people who were wearing hearing aids but did not speak and use sign language, Um, they sort of were like, um, you know, either not wearing hearing aids or they were wearing it because they probably had to wear it as recommended by doctor. They mentioned that, um, you know, how shocking it is that I do not know sign language and that English is my first language, Uh, of course, knowing my local languages as well, Uh, but then I tried to explain it to them that it was not in my position to choose hearing aids and choose how to speak. It was, you know, my parents trying to find a way to uh, create that space for me to be comfortable. Whatever the doctors suggested, they took on that advice. They had no idea themselves. So I strongly believe that my parents did did or made the decisions that were good for me or what they felt were the best decisions for me that would allow me to grow out there in the world. Now, for the hearing community, I am too disabled. Basically, what happens is that um, sometimes it becomes really hard for me to uh, talk to people in a very big crowd, like say, maybe more than seven, eight individuals together or in a party. Uh, So I tend to ask, you know, that can you repeat what did you say? And they say, oh, it's nothing. And that kind of pushes me back into my own corner because First of all, it takes a lot for a person like me to say that, can you repeat it for me as a sentence to someone and then to get it dismissed by somebody else like that. It shows how um, people do not want to take that tiny bit of extra effort to make me feel included. So that's how I always ended up feeling alienated. So I was in the shady area where I was neither in the hearing community nor in the deaf community. Rather, I had to navigate between the two communities and understand what should I do. Later on in my life, when I started doing my bachelors and you know started understanding the community around, started understanding the individuals. As you grow, you tend to mature. You tend to become more aware. So yeah. definitely, I realized I didn't have to you know push myself into both the communities rather I could walk the path alone between these two communities and you know whoever accepts me is okay with them I accept them too and you know I come from a place of non-judgment uh, perspective everyone has a unique journey everyone is unique everyone is different nobody has the same life journey at all, even if they have the same disability, you know, even if there is someone else who is, you know, deaf like me, I can tell you that their journey is way more different than how my journey was up until now. Um, So that's where I feel that, you know, the identity crisis came into the picture. Hopefully it will work out soon. (laughs) How did
0: things change for you when you got to the university level? Did they start to even out a little bit?
1: Uh, Of course, I would say that uh, when I was doing my bachelor's in India and then when I was when I'm doing my bachelor's, uh, master's in Ireland, it does feel like a stock difference, I would say, uh, because in India, again, the awareness is not that prominent even at the university level but i did see that people did not bother about it you know or they did not come to me with uh, disrespectful questions rather I would mention that, you know, I'm hearing impaired, i wear hearing it, or I'm deaf. They would be like, okay, sure, let us know what we can do, you know, to make you feel comfortable in the group. So, of course, that was wonderful to hear. And then to see more uh, disabled individuals in the university made me feel that finally I am able to see someone, you know, who will... the wheelchair and I was able to be friends with them as well. We connected on disabilities and our experiences and how we could develop into having a strong group that could share the experiences to make the university experience better for the disabled individual. As you might know, uh, the distribution of resources or the opportunities are very unequal, very different for the disabled people who are trying to make their mark in the world. And when I came to Dublin for my master's, I noticed that uh, there were already preset teams who were supposed to handle these kind of situations. And when I joined the university, they sent me an email asking me how... Uh, it was the best way to meet them at the university. And I mentioned that, you know, it would be wonderful to meet you in person. They readily made an appointment. We met in person. The university uh, associate, I don't know who the woman was, she downloaded the softwares into my laptop, the recording uh, application and the note making application for me, because that is very important for me. I need to write down every single thing because sometimes I'm not able to understand 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 something, the captions or the the recording helps me understand that better when I'm recapping the whole concept again later on after the class. So it did feel wonderful to have that kind of equipment and resources here, which I did not have it back in India. Okay, interesting. Interesting. And what are you studying for
0: your master's, if you don't mind my asking?
1: Yes, of course. uh, I have no problem. Uh, I did my bachelor's back in India in English honours and minors in history, philosophy and political science. And right now I am doing my master's in international relations. That is a bit of different space that is under the government law. So I am working with laws and public affairs. So it's human rights, European law, all those related issues and how we can improve on that. So it's been a very interesting switch for me as well.
0: Wonderful,
1: wonderful. Well, um, we got into
0: a fascinating discussion when we were preparing for today's interview about what it's like to travel internationally as a person with a disability or especially somebody who's deaf. I thought that was, um, well, that's an was an eye opener for me, and I think I am a little more aware than the average person. Um, and I thought, oh my gosh, we have to talk about this on the podcast. So, um, you've traveled quite a bit. Can you yeah. tell me? Can you tell our audience, um, you know, what's it been like trying to travel as a deaf person?
1: internationally? Uh, oh, yes, of course. I think I would, uh, you know, share that I'm trying to break the stereotypes. And of course, when somebody is, you know, uh, coming out as a disabled individual, the stereotype starts coming in. And then one of the things is inability to travel, which I feel is quite, difficult thing to break out of because mm-hmm. they sort of assume that, you know, all the facilities and all sorts of uh, traveling uh, habits does not actually suit the disabled individual, which I feel really upset about. Um, I started traveling when I turned 18 all by myself and it was quite a wonderful experience just You know, understand how to navigate through those travels because, of course, my parents weren't there. So I was out of my comfort zone and uh, Mm -hmm. definitely it made me all the more alert to, you know, see how I am going to benefit from these travels. I was in for, you know, a weird shock and, you know, Mm -hmm. everything being so uh, habituated, way of system of how things worked out. So, Especially even online while booking, uh, there was the uh, support for the wheelchair, you know, users or the blind individual who needed the support to navigate at the airport, but nothing for the deaf. So that was something I was very surprised with because mm. for me, I cannot understand the announcement that happened on the mic because it sort of does not match with what I'm using the hearing aids for. So uh, even if I'm sitting near the boarding gate and unless and until someone tells me, I'm going to sit there and actually miss my flight. Like, it's like that terrible. So, oh, Yes. So, I would never think about that. Yes, definitely. So it made me all the more conscious with my things, with my, you know, keeping my eyes open, like for a deaf person like me, my eyes are my, th- like precious resource. Like I need to keep an eye on everything. I constantly keep staring at the board, you know, where they the mentions of flies and Of course, uh, the few airlines that I traveled with were very wonderful. They quickly, you know, had one of their staff crew come and assist me with the checking and whatever the guards were saying, or whatever the security people were telling me, so they could translate it for me and things like that. Because, of course, it takes time for me to understand the essence of the people, how they're speaking, because I lip read a lot. So that was something later on when you get into the idea of getting inside the country of course the culture is different it's beautiful you everything is new to you Mm. i do feel that accessibility to internet is something which is still you know we need to work on the international internet accessibility because i'm again using my phone a lot for gps and you know making notes and things like that unless and until i have someone who um Is my friend, or who is an acquaintance, or whom I know locally over there? I have been lucky to get support from the locals over there in different countries that I've been in. I have been lucky somehow. I didn't, you know, get into any kind of problems like they mentioned. You know, you could be kidnapped and things like that, which scared me a bit. Oh (laughs) my god! Yes.
0: Wow. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and uh, they were like, please be careful with whom you ask for help and things like that. So it made me more aware and skeptical about how traveling is so difficult, you know, even when you go to the hostel, student hostel or the hotel, how uh, people are not well equipped, I would say, to uh, handle someone who is having different needs or different assistance support. So I do feel like we do have a bit of uh, work to do in the hospitality sector and the travel tourism sector in terms of enabling the accessibility or the easy access for the disabled individual to travel because I love traveling and I don't want the disability to be a barrier to stop my love for traveling. It is a part of me and I want that, you know, in any country I travel to, it should be positive experience not a you know negative experience when you are coming out of that country so definitely it was quite wonderful very varied experiences wonderful interactions with the local again I would mention I was very lucky because they mentioned that you know people get kidnapped things happen because they understand that you're a foreigner so (laughs) oh my gosh have you been here to the U.S. oh no not yet I hope I get a chance to come to you. So let's see. I will be able to meet you. I would love to host you. Of course. My my
0: house is empty. So (laughs) we have we have multiple rooms that you can stay in because we uh, unfortunately I've got, you know, kid off to college and just empty rooms galore. So (laughs) emptiness. Yeah. It's very boring here now. We need some excitement.
1: Of course, I would love to (laughs) give that excitement to you in your house. But uh, next time when I would plan my travel to U.S., I would definitely keep you in mind and get you all on board with my journey to coming to U.S. soon. I don't know if you want to come to boring suburbs like where I live,
0: but, you know, because most people prefer to go to a nice, exciting city. However... (laughs) Yes, the, you know the door is open. That is so- wonderful to know. I <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, for me and I, I look forward to finding out how we stack up compared to other countries.
1: <laughs> of course, that would be wonderful to see. You know, because every country is so unique, so different, and I kind of become very judgmental about the food because I'm vegetarian and uh, I have had places where I had to just survive on, you know, fruits and yogurt and only ice creams and juices. So it was quite difficult when you go to a country which has predominantly meat or seafood, like in Ireland here, I am. I was facing a lot of issues. Uh, but then thankfully, Ireland does have lovely cheese and lovely milk products. And it has been a good experience to taste all of that food stuff, which is vegetarian. Okay.
0: Well, I really, I think this has been such a, eye opener for me. What a great conversation, things that I have never thought about ever. Um, And I know that my daughter who was in a wheelchair, I couldn't even uh, begin to travel around with her as she got bigger. It was so hard to try to manage. I just didn't do it. And, um, you know, maybe shame on me, but I just couldn't figure it all out. So we didn't do it. So, um, we talked about the last thing that we talked about, which is, you know, a long topic, but I know something that has been that you've been passionate about. And you mentioned, you know, at some point in the future, you would love to see disability leadership. Yes. And, you know, what does that look like to have a CEO of a large company with a disability? Uh, oh, yes. This
1: tell, is tell me about that. <laughs> uh of course. Um, this is something very personal to me because I have noticed that it is so important to have disabled individuals in every sphere of your life, like you know, in the parliament, policy making or uh in the schools, in the universities, you know sharing their knowledge and for me I do notice that there are situations where the disabled community are given limited options or opportunities which makes me upset because you know we are not getting a chance to show ourselves or portray our talent or share our experiences of who we are as a person and uh, disability leadership is something I'm working on in the sense that we have a very different approach. Again, I'm not talking for the disabled community, but rather I'm talking about the leadership that comes along with being disabled because we follow a different kind of approach to everything in life. So one of the things is that we have always been given limited resources. So how do we maximize the best output from it and how do we make sure that the limited resources that we have and create the impact that we need? So we have been working with the kind of idea that it needs to be a non-judgmental space where you're working because you're devoting like maybe 10 hours of your life every day to a company or to an organization. And of course, I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, things are bad, but I would rather say things could be more improved or rather better, uh, in corporate, uh, companies, because I have never, Seen one, you know, who is a uh, disabled CEO Fortune 500 So I would like to see that in future. Uh, it would be a fantastic thing for me because I want that to happen in my lifetime. And I want to see somebody who is, you know, having a disability and is a CEO and is able to uh manage a large company. And the kind of um approach or the output. I can assure you it would be very different uh, because I have been doing that in my internship experiences and my work experiences because, you know, there have been situations where somebody had to step up. I was usually the one who stepped up and, you know, with my shrilly voice, I'm like, you have to do this, you have to make sure this happens. So despite the fact that we would be in a safe space to work, I would actually be in a position to give them comfortable space to work in any way they want and not be a micromanager or some kind of a person who is poking through everything that people are doing so it is something i'm hoping that it comes into the picture in future and that uh, it would be a wonderful thing to see a very inclusive a very you know diverse uh community because i personally come from a country where diversity is you know a big thing it's a fantastic thing so for me diversity also becomes a very important thing to understand each other's experiences and I see diversity and inclusion and equity as a positive thing not as a threat because you know everyone is coming with their own unique ideas like I feel happy when I hear these unique culture differences, unique ideas, where they come from. Why not combine them and create something amazing out of it? Like, why not? That would be so amazing. And after this pandemic, I do feel like we need that extra support, extra encouragement for the disabled community to come out of their shell, to come out of their space and, you know, show themselves, showcase themselves. So I wish, the platform opens up soon for all of us like that. Even for the non-disabled individuals, you know, we are not trying to be an enemy, we are just trying to be uh, supporters of each other, no matter whether you have a disability, whether you don't have a disability it is something I'm working on, is to try and support each other no matter what, where you come from, who you are as a person, we are all beautiful, we are all unique, and I want that to be a plus thing, you know, women supporting women, everyone supporting each other in growing and not just putting each other down, you know, so. That's so
0: interesting because the talk, all the rage right now is DEI. Exactly. And I belong to a number of DEI committees, depending on, you know, what sphere you're talking about. But nobody thinks about disability when they're talking about DEI. They're talking about gender, they're talking about race, they're talking about um, gender identity, all great things, so important. But they really, you know, they they act like you're hitting them with a shovel in the face when you mention disability every time. And I keep mentioning disability every time. And they're like, oh, I don't even think about disability when I think about that. you know? And so i'm a, I'm in a group of professionals, uh, a referral network, and I keep saying, disability, disability, disability. And, you know, there are a few people with disabilities who are in this huge group, and I mean, a handful. Um, the, the The lawyers groups that I belong to, there's almost nobody. I mean, literally almost nobody, you know. The, okay. There's just n- nobody out there in corporate America you might have some hidden disabilities you might have people who have um you know add or um maybe some mental health issues you're not talking about things that are more um more
1: visible Yes, more, visible. more obvious. Uh, I understand where you come from and of course I feel sad that you know it's still not a topic of discussion because I recently got myself out being quoted in uh, one of the magazines, uh, the article where I have mentioned that DEI needs to start talking about disability as well because the fact that we are talking about DEI as a trending thing at the moment you are excluding out a major major community. Like it's a major community. You're not even uh, including them, and uh, the fact that we're not including them, it actually shows the lack of awareness and like how we need to create more. Uh, important space of discussion to talk about something like the disability is not a bad word. I myself went through a journey of trying to understand how do I identify myself because I was unable to um, you can say understand where I would fit in or how should I you know put myself into a space where I feel comfortable in because we are all so much into labeling that, all right, let's do labeling right. if we want, but do it in the right way, right? And the ablest terminologies that came up, you know, differently abled or special needs, I had been using them when I was younger. And then when I saw that, oh my God, you know, because the non-disabled individuals are uncomfortable or they do not like the word disability, mm-hmm. kind of made us made me have a conflict with who I am as a person. And then I realized, no, disability is actually self-explanatory term. It's, it's a wonderful term that tells you who you are as a person. You know, you must ask the disabled individual or a person with disability mm-hmm. how they want to be identified as. You should not make your own assumption. And I don't... I can tell you I don't enjoy wearing hearing aids that means I do need extra support right that is how I ended up you know being a woman with disability I get ear pain I get ear infections I end up having you know issues where this is a machine I have to give it for servicing and then I become extremely scared to go out without my hearing aid because of the little voice that I hear uh, you can even ask my parents when uh, I give this you know hearing aid for service And repairing, and it takes one week or you know, like six days. I actually did not step out of my house in those days. Wow, my life becomes my life comes into a halt. So you have to understand that everyone is unique. Everyone has their own difficult journey that they are going through. Please don't make assumptions. Please don't put people in stereotype. Be it anybody, especially the disabled community that has been trying to fight for disability rights like um it's been hard you know like we are trying to tell you that we are humans too and it is difficult mm-hmm. to see how I have tried to you know tell my own so-called friends that please don't do this it's very uncomfortable for me for me to be able to have somebody as a friend is difficult because I'm yes. unable to trust them you know yeah uh, that's why.
0: But that is so key. You you kind of hit the nail on the head there, the communication and the openness and being able to talk about it. That's new, right? That's new for all of us. We're finally exactly. opening up. So, um, believe it or not, we've come to the end of our time. <laughs> we've had so much to talk about, and you know, sure. I wonder. If you have any advice or some key things that you'd like to leave our audience with today. Do you have any right. anything to
1: share that you'd love to leave everybody with? Definitely uh I would first appreciate everyone you know taking time out to listen to this uh conversation with Uh, And and, uh, since this is my official first podcast, I would like to dedicate this to my parents and my younger brother, whom I love with all tiny bit of my heart. Like, I absolutely adore them to bits. I don't think I would have been here had it not been for them, you know, their support, their sacrifices, everything. Even my younger brother had to make sacrifices, you know, like not going to a party or uh you know like trying to adjust with me in terms of talking to each other because sometimes we would end up fighting and things like that Mm -hmm. this podcast is dedicated to my family I appreciate you for doing this with me and last but not the least be kind
0: thank you Tanisha this is wonderful I look forward to many more conversations with you thank you so much for your time today it was wonderful to meet you thank you so much of course. have a great afternoon you too take care bye hey everybody thanks for tuning in I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.